Hi, this is Mo Willems, and you are listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Well, we have one of those new talking machines. Now that is something. It plays music right here in our home. Progress is something we can't take for granted. Progress takes a lot of people wanting it and willing to work for it. You are listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This week on the show... I think the best thing I could do is tell my own story and how my mom, you know, I mean, this was a pretty radical idea back in the 70s. Let the kid read whatever he wanted. Most adults weren't thinking like that. But when adults hear my story and hear how that changed my life and not only turned me into a reader, but a writer as well. I mean, I don't know where I'd be if it hadn't been for that idea. Here's your host, Jamie Green. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us online at thegbbpodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, social media places like that, at thegbbpodcast. And we are available to download from anywhere that you get your fine podcasts. So whether that's uh, iTunes or Google Play or Spotify, tune in. We are most of those places, if not all of them, so do search us out. If you found us on a website or somewhere else, go search us out, hit subscribe, check out our backlist. We've got over 200 episodes now of fascinating, insightful, amazing, if I do say so myself, conversations with creative people from all walks of life. Welcome back. I am Jamie Green, and I am not going to beat around the bush this week. There's not going to be a whole lot of chit-chat. It's just me this week. Uh, We are leading into Thanksgiving here in the United States, and I don't want to waste any of your time. So we're just going to get right into the conversation that I had with Dave Pilkey. And Dave, if uh, you have kids or you have kids who like graphic novels or are readers of any sort then you probably are familiar with Dave and his books. He is the guy behind the Captain Underpants books. So if you know of or have heard of uh, Captain Underpants, there are probably more than a dozen of those books out now, uh, and which has they've also made a feature film out of it. There's a uh, DreamWorks has a Netflix animated series right now. Uh, they've all spun out of the Captain Underpants books. They have also led to a few different spin-off book series. The Adventures of Super Diaper Baby um, are, are spun-off from that. And most recently, he's been at, hard at work on the Dogman books. Now, uh, speaking from personal experience, I do have to say I have two kids that are seven and nine. And while they never really got hardcore into Captain Underpants, they are super hardcore into Dogman. Yeah, they, the books kind of defy all classification, kind of defy description to a certain extent. You kind of have to read one to, to see what the whole deal is here. But there are five Dogman books out at the moment. The newest one is Lord of the Fleas. 
They are spun off of the Captain Underpants books. The whole conceit here is that the two main characters from Captain Underpants, which are just two kids, are making their own writing and drawing their own comic book series, and Dogman is the book that results. So when you first pick up the book and you or any of the books and you start flipping through them, you might think that the art looks a little crude. That's intentional because it is supposed to be created by two elementary school children. But once you read through it and you sort of get past that, uh, the books are very, very much in line with Dave Pilkey's sensibilities and the Captain Underpants humor. And uh, we we talk so we talk a lot about. Uh, Dogman and the books that he's doing now, but Dave is is a lot more than just Captain Underpants and Dogman. Obviously, he's written a ton of books. He's worked with a bunch of other people. Uh, the Ricky Ricotta's Mighty Robot. He's worked with Dan Santat on that. If you go back uh, really early, a couple years ago on this show, we had Dan on, and we talked a little bit about the the Mighty Robot books at that point. Dave has also written a bunch of just different picture books. So I really do recommend, uh, even if you might be put off of the Captain Underpants for, for whatever reason, maybe that's not your style, maybe that you know you just never really saw the appeal, he has a lot more to his credit than, than just that one series. So do check out his work. This is a fascinating conversation I had with him. Like I said, we do talk about Dogman, uh, but we talk about lots of other things too. We talk about his creative approach. We talk about graphic novels in general, the industry right now, how the industry is changing, his personal journey. He was a struggling reader growing up and how he uh, attached to books and, and found solace in them and found his escape in them. And and when he creates books now, he's thinking about kids who were like him and and kids who maybe don't get the benefit that he had of being able to read absolutely anything in order to find what it is that they love. So I'm going to stop talking now. I I do want to just get right into it. It is Thanksgiving here in the United States. If you celebrate and you are driving home or spending time with family and friends, I hope you have a wonderful holiday. I wish you all happy Thanksgiving. Be safe on the roads if you're driving or flying or traveling. And uh, eat a lot of turkey and eat a lot of pie for me. And we will see you next week. Take care. Dave, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. It is awesome to have you here. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, I had recently an interaction on Twitter about you and your books. And the person that I was talking to called Dogman such an amazing success among kids because they were so quote-unquote pilkyish, and, and I thought that was, <laughs> that was just a perfect explanation and a perfect description, but I wonder, what does that mean to you? What, is it, what does it mean when something is pilkyish? Pilkyish. Um, well, I probably would, would guess that that means that there's a lot of humor and, and maybe a bit of heart <laughs> as well. Something like that? Yeah, I, I think that, that's, that, that hits it right on the nose. My kids, I, just speaking from my own perspective, my kids adore the book. So whenever a new one comes out, like they cannot, they fight over it. They cannot read them fast enough. Oh, <laughs> that's so nice. Thanks, Jamie. I appreciate that. Um, and I know, I know as a kid, you've talked quite a bit about this, but as a kid, you had ADHD and dyslexia. Are you making your yeah. books today for a young Dave and for kids like him who might be having trouble paying attention in school or, or finding school challenging? Yeah, actually, I think I am because I, for when I was a child, that was, uh, 
having ADHD and, and what they now call, I mean, having dyslexia and what they now call ADHD was a huge um, source of embarrassment for me. And, and it helped me, uh, it made me feel very alone, I, I think. And, and uh, cause I didn't know anybody else in my class who had that. And mm-hmm. so I had such trouble reading and, and um, getting into books. And so I think the books I'm making now, I, I, I I try to design them for the kid I used to be, uh, a kid who was very visual. Um, I, I always loved uh, when words and, and, and pictures were combined because if I didn't understand the word, you know, sometimes the right. picture helped me figure it out. Yeah. And um, also with my dyslexia, to break up the text into little panels was, was <laughs> kind of, it was nice for me too. And it helped me to um, not get so overwhelmed by the, you know, huge, sometimes huge blocks of text you know, one page after the next, which can can be kind of frightening for a kid who's having <laughs> some yeah. challenges. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think I am sort of making the books for for the little boy I used to be. I I, I think you know. I mean, it's no surprise to you. Graphic novels have just rocketed in popularity lately, and I think yeah. I think a great deal of that probably has to do with with that format and that it, it makes reading more accessible to kids who might otherwise have be struggling readers. Yeah. I think it, it helps kids to associate reading with fun, which is kind of one of my, <laughs> one of my things that, yeah. that really changed my life as a kid. My mom, she knew I was struggling. She knew I was associating reading with, you know, torture <laughs> when I was a kid. Cause it was like stuff that I, a lot of times it was stuff I wasn't interested in. And I, and, the things I was interested in reading, my teacher would take it away from me, and she'd say, "Oh, that's garbage, or that's 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 not your age level, or something." And my mom realized that this was happening, and she's like, "It's not." She felt like it wasn't important what I was reading. She just wanted to make sure that I was reading. So yeah. she she took me to the library. She got me a library card, and every week we would go, and she, and I got to pick out whatever I wanted, and it didn't matter. if if I'd already read it, you know, a thousand times, it didn't matter if it wasn't my age level, or if it was just cartoons or just a magazine. If I was interested and if I would read it, um, it was fine, and, and that is what changed my life because I started to associate reading with fun once again. And and it's just like you said, that's what kids are doing with graphic with graphic novels now. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask about that because a few months ago, I was actually at the library with my own kids. And I overheard uh-huh. this mom talking to her son, and the son was probably eight, nine years old. And she told him that he was allowed to get any three books he wanted, but quote unquote, I don't want to see any comic books. You know, and for oh, her, yeah, that means yeah. graphic novels, you know. And I just thought, right, you're right. doing this all wrong. You know, if that's what the kid right, wants to read, yeah. let him read it. I mean, do you still encounter that <laughs> criticism that like graphic novels, they're not real books? Yes, I still do, unfortunately. And I think it all started back in the 50s. There was a, Some guy wrote a book called Seduction of the Innocent, which mm-hmm. basically vilified comics. Basically, the, you know the, how they say comics will rot your brain? Yeah. That started with, the, with this dude back in the 50s. And, and um, I think it was like in the 70s or 80s, they found out that he made up almost all the information in his book. Yeah. It, it, you know, he was quoting sources that he had just made up, and, and none of it was true, but... But the influence that that book had in the 50s, it changed the industry and it changed the way people think about comics. And we're still seeing some of the uh, the fallout from that, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But I do think a lot of it's going away. So, you know, I think people are a lot of adults are starting to change the way they're thinking. So it is changing. It's just very, very slowly. Yeah. 
I mean, you are in schools a lot. I know you, you, you know, day to day, you encounter lots of kids, lots of parents, lots of teachers. I mean, do you have a standard response to that, to, to parents or teachers even who might still be thinking that like, you know, comics, it's not real reading. We want our kids to, you know, it's a stepping stone to real reading maybe. Yeah. I, you know, the, I think the best thing I can do, I, I mean, I could put a whole bunch of <laughs> um, statistics in front of their faces. I don't think that's going to help. I think the best thing I could do is tell my own story yeah. and how my mom, you know, I mean, this was a pretty radical idea back in the seventies, you know, to let, let the kid read whatever he wanted. Most adults weren't thinking like that. But, it, you know, when I think when adults hear my story and hear how that changed my life and not only turned me into a, a reader but a writer as well, I mean, I, I don't know where I'd be if it hadn't been for that idea. Yeah. I think once adults hear that, I think that, I think that story uh, changes their mind more than anything. Yeah. You know, kids, again, I'm sure you're aware, kids will read books again and again and again, and they do it with your books. Does that awareness of how kids read multiple, multiple times, does that awareness change how you tell a story? Like, Does it affect the words you choose or or what you show on the page? Sometimes it does, I think. Um, I never like to write down to children. And so sometimes if the perfect word is something that maybe a kid might not understand that word yet, I'll just put it in there, you know, if it, if it's a three or four syllable word that maybe they've never heard of. I know just like I got contextual clues from the pictures, the kids will be able to figure it out. And, mm-hmm. and if they read it multiple times, then per, you know, I think that it's going to in, in, uh, increase their vocabulary after a while. They're, they're going to know what that word means because they saw the pictures and they've read the story and, and because of the, uh, uh, the, the context of the story, they figured it out and it's yeah. going to, make them have better vocabularies. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, but likewise, knowing that your books are also read aloud, you know, with parents or other adults, you know, during reading time or whatever, how often do you tweak the language just to make sure that those adults have to be, have to act goofy or have a silly voice when they're reading aloud? <laughs> um, I don't know that I tweak the language so much. I think the adults pick up on that just from the, the pictures. And, mm-hmm. and so if there's a, a villain, you know, like Petey the Cat is a, the, the, he started out as the villain in the series. And, and he, you know, I, he, I think he, you look at him and you see the, the expression on his face and you automatically want to kind of ham it up and yeah. <laughs> give him kind of a villainous voice. And, and I think uh, from what I've heard, uh, when, kids and adults read it together the adults really have a good time just ham hamming the whole thing up do your characters have a definite voice in your own mind like when you read your books aloud do you always give them unique voices and are they always the same oh yeah i I give them unique voices yeah pd is kind of like a so you know what do you you think i like someone you know some guy from like a 1950s movie you know (laughs) What you, what's going on here? And that type of thing. And you know, Dogman is nonverbal, so he's real easy to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to bark. <laughs> you know? But um, yeah, they, they do have voices in my head. And, and uh, it's, it's, they're, I, I find them kind of fun to, to read aloud. Yeah. With that in mind, how did the, uh, the DreamWorks, the, the film and, and now the Netflix show, how did those adaptations of Captain Underpants measure up to the voices that were in your head? Uh quite well actually in fact even better um i i was not when they announced that the, the cast of the movie i wasn't so sure you know because they you know, george and harold are 10 year olds and they're going to be <laughs> played by adults but i was i'm a huge fan of kevin hart and, and thomas middleditch and i thought i'm just going to trust these dudes they they know what they're doing and and um 
and their voices that they came up with were better than what I had in my head. So it was, and, and the same thing with the show. I mean, there are kid actors playing, playing George and Harold, but I think that there's, they put so much heart into it and so much enthusiasm. It's, it's slightly different than what I had in my head, but I, I kind of think it's an improvement. Yeah. <laughs> it's, is it, I mean, even after having published so many books, it's got to still be this, it's got to still be a thrill to see the, the characters come alive. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can't believe it. I, I mean, because these are characters I've had, like, well, Captain Underpants has been with me since I was in second grade, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and when you're drawing this, I mean, essentially a stick figure, you know, with his underwear and, and he's flying around, you never think that that's going to be a movie that they're going to be showing, you yeah. know, in, in Australia yeah. or, you know, someday, <laughs> or that it's going to be a show that's going to be, um, you know, uh, streamable all over the world. I just, I never, ever dreamed that big. Yeah. Huh. Um, talking about dreaming big. So the new Dogman book, Lord of the Fleas, I read is going to get a first printing of three million copies. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is it's insane, isn't it? That's insane. <laughs> oh, that is. You're, that's exactly the right word. It, it is insane. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean that, and you know, it's like eighty million copies or something of of Captain Underpants that are currently in print. But when you mm-hmm. look, when you look at that, and then you look at something like Raina Telgemeier's new book that's going to come out in a, next year, yeah. I think it's going to get that's going to get a million copies in its first printing. These are incredible, yeah. incredible numbers, and you guys are just two creators. So, why do you think people, so many people, still cling to this notion in, in the graphic novel industry that DC and Marvel are the big two when it comes to this format? When Publishers like Scholastic are just blowing those numbers out of the water. Well, I think a lot of people uh, approach comics from the adult world. Um, you know, like they grew up with, because this is a relatively new thing. You know, Raina coming along uh, with Smile. I think that came out in 2012 or something, mm-hmm. and, and she completely blew the doors off of the industry. I mean, there was nothing like that before, and and um, now so many new creators are coming in and coming up with all this new stuff and, and it, she's i think Raina changed the in- industry and, and made it so much bigger than it, it ever was people don't they they don't uh excuse me i'm sorry they they the dogs making that's okay uh, <laughs> uh, dogs running through but um i think it's really uh important that um that uh you, you know that there's this this much uh People are coming. They're they're so enthusiastic about it right now, and um, you know they're they're not thinking of of this industry. As, you know this this scholastic in their books because this is something that um, is kind of so new. It really didn't it didn't exist. This this children's comics industry didn't really exist. Um, you know, ten years ago, the way yeah. it does now. Yeah. Do you do you see this as the way? This is the direction that it's going to go. I mean, with these full fledged graphic novels that are the size of the books that you and Raina and others do, or is there still going to be a place for kids stories in the weekly issue comic book format or monthly? Oh, monthly I think issue, I'm sorry. Well, I think there's going to be room for everything. I, I think there's, I, I think um, I'm just, I find it very exciting that, that this industry that didn't exist 10 years ago is, yeah. is now such a big deal, but I think there's always going to be room for everything. Yeah. Uh, I talked to Mo Willems a while back for this show, and he talked about how 
so many of his books have these deceptively simple character designs and, and very minimal backgrounds. And uh-huh. he intentionally does that, and he intentionally illustrates his books in a way that's easy for kids to draw, because he wants kids to become yeah. involved with the books and, and try to mimic his style and learn to draw that way. Does that factor into yeah. your artistic choices also? That's Yeah, I actually think about that a lot when I'm working on my stuff, because I, 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 I don't think that background information is all that necessary if it doesn't move the plot forward um and so so usually uh it'll be a you know a one character talking to another and and i'm really interested in the emotion that, that's being uh, you know the two characters connecting or or everyone the emotion that's going on between the characters is what's important to me yeah. and i don't put stuff in the background if it's not necessary if it if it you know that if it doesn't move the story forward there's no reason to have it and and just like Mo said, I really want kids to, and when they're finished with the book, I want them to get some paper and, and start drawing the characters. And so I, that's why I put those how to draw things at the end, of, especially yeah. with uh, Dog Man and the graphic novels. Yeah. And it's cool because we're on tour now and kids are coming up and they're, almost every kid has pictures to show me. And <laughs> they can draw Dog Man just as well as I can. And it's really, it's really exciting for me. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, the the first I think when the first one came out, my, that's a, my daughter. You know, that's what she loves is art. She'll just sit down and draw for hours, and she oh, she wow. followed you know your the, the the illustrations in the book and your little guidelines in the back. And she came to me and she uh-huh. showed me this little comic strip she had made with all the characters, and I said. I couldn't believe it because it looked exactly like your books, and I was like, "Wow, oh, that's, that's amazing!" So cool. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, another thing that I've, I've been trying to do with Dogman is, of course, I'm I'm writing these books as if George and Harold from the two boys from the Captain Underpants series, as if as if they're writing the books, and so I had to, you know, kind of learn how to draw like a kid again um, because I I wanted the the illustrations to be accessible to children, and so. Um, I started going through a lot of the, the fan letters that I get from kids and the drawings that they, they did. And, and I noticed things like, like sometimes they will draw a character and the character doesn't have any arms. And mm-hmm. I thought that's really interesting that if the character doesn't need the arms, they don't draw the arms. And, or if they have a hard time with the arms, they just don't draw them. And I thought oh, it was really cool. And so I, I got inspired by the drawings of children and that influences my work. And, and, and I hope that that, because I'm trying to emulate a child, that a child will look at that and say, hey, I can do that. Yeah. How hard was it for you, though, to sort of, it's not really regressing in your, in, in your art, but it's, it's finding a different style, more or less. So how, how hard was that to, you know, get your art to look like it was a children's drawing? It is surprisingly hard. You would <laughs> think that drawing, drawing simpler would be really easy, but I, I was talking to uh, Dan Santat about that. Do you, yeah. you know Dan Santat? I do. He's been on the yeah, show as well. Oh, yeah, he's a great guy, hilarious, he's won yep. the Calcutta Award, he's a very sophisticated style, but he was recently trying to draw like a child, too, and he's like, Dave, you're right, it is so hard to draw like a kid. <laughs> and, and there's this genius going on with children that, that um, I think sometimes you lose it the more professional you get, but, um, but uh, I'm, I'm trying to get back there. <laughs> I, I notice also in the Dogman books, you've included a lot of, you know, like you cross out words or you'll, you'll mm-hmm. show corrections to the art or to the, to the dialogue. Why do that? Well, I, you know, when I, I've been in this industry for like 30 years and I, I've done tons of school visits and I just noticed that little kids like, you know, 
first, second, third graders, they love to draw and they love to write. And there's this fearlessness with them. But the older they get, um, the the less they like to do that. And you'll ask, you know, a group of junior high kids, how many how many do you like to write and draw? And, and hardly any hands go up. And I ask, what's happening here? And and so I would just ask them, why why don't you like to draw anymore? You, I'm sure you like to draw when you were younger. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And, and the answer they give me is that they, they don't think they're good at it. And I was like, wow, yeah. When did that happen? I mean, what, you, you don't think you're good at it. I mean, everybody's good at drawing. Everybody, if you can hold a pencil in your hand and move it around, you could draw, you know? And, and so I just want to give kids permission to make mistakes because I think it's very important. You, you know, perfectionism, perfectionism can be so stifling, and I don't want kids to feel like just because they're not perfect that, that, they, um, that, they, can't, uh, that they can't do it. Yeah. And so... Um, so that's why I, um, yeah. uh, sorry, the dog is driving me nuts. Um, but, um, that's what, that's why I, I cross the words out and stuff because, you know, that it's, it's fun to, it's good to show that, you know, mistakes happen and it's okay. We can make yeah. mistakes so that we can still be creative. Yeah. It's too many people telling them that they have to add arms to those people, to their characters, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but I think if kids see that I do it, you know, I, I'm a, professional guy and and sometimes i forget to draw the arms or i you know, deliberately forget to draw them and <laughs> that, that gives them permission to make mistakes in their drawings and so I, I i i i don't know if that has anything to do with the reason that so many kids are coming to the events with drawings but um yeah. boy it's almost every kid it has a picture that they've drawn to show me and, and, that's and it's really really inspiring yeah, yeah it's, it's so fun. exciting um, I think that even though your books obviously have a broad, broad appeal among all kids, and I mean, I've been sitting here telling you how much my daughter loves your books, I think that, mm-hmm. you know, correct me if I'm wrong, they still might tend to get pegged as, quote, boys' books. Um, yeah. Because I know a lot, you know, Raina's, because they feature female protagonists, they get pegged as girls' mm-hmm. books a lot. I mean, what's your take yeah. on that? Like, why are we still categorizing books by gender and what the intended audience is supposed to be, whether it's a boy or a girl? Why is that still happening? I don't know. I think sometimes um, <laughs> adults have a way of, of ruining things for, for kids. You know, <laughs> they, they, I don't know why they do that. It's like, oh, no, you can't read that. This is a boy book. Or yeah. this is, you know, you can't read that. That's, this isn't in your age level. You know, this is too advanced. Or this is, you know, this is for littler kids. Or you've already read that, you know, and, I don't know why they they have to put things in little boxes, but I, I think sometimes they do that with kids too. You know, like oh, you're supposed to be like this because yeah. you're this type of person, and and I think, um, you know, I it might even be the way you know when kids draw, they're so free, and and then they get older, and they they suddenly sometimes they start adding all these unnecessary rules to their lives, and they don't draw anymore. And maybe that's like adult thinking, you know, how that, that goes. Yeah. Yeah, they're so free when they're kids, and then oh no, I can't do this. I'm, I'm a boy, or I can't do this. I can't read that. I'm a girl. You know, yeah. I don't know. We need to hang on to that freedom. I think we need to, you know, as parents, yeah. I think it's our job to sort of say, hey, boys, pink is okay, or you can read a book about yeah, that's a girl. Right. That's okay too. That's you know? right. Absolutely, absolutely. I, it always, I, a lot of times, you know, uh, uh, an adult will come up to me and say, oh, I'm, I love these books. They're such great books for boys. And I, I'm yeah. like, oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I, it's not—it's not a compliment to me. I just like you gotta. I, these are books for everybody, and every book I've done is for everybody, whether they're boys in them or girls in them or dogs and cats. It doesn't matter. They're yeah. every book is for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you know, Shannon Hale. 
Yeah, 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 I'm a big fan. It's a big thing with her too because she writes the Princess in Black books, and those are amazing mm-hmm. books. And my, again, both they of my are. kids love those books. But she says, mm-hmm. you know, invariably every every book tour stop, every school visit she gets, somebody will come up to her and, and say, "These are such wonderful books. Have you ever thought about writing a, a similar series for boys?" Yeah, it's like, yeah. And, and that you know that sets her mm-hmm. off just like it does you. Like that's that's not yeah, a compliment yeah. to me. Like these books are good for everybody. Right, right, yeah, 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 and I, I think because adults, you know, limit kids in that way. I think kids, that's why kids start to do it too. Yeah. They don't, they don't want to be embarrassed. They don't say, "Oh, this has a girl on the cover, so maybe I can't read this." And yeah. it's, we got, we got to start getting over that. It's, we really do. Um, it's, it really limits um, our imagination and creativity and all that. Really do. Um, we talked earlier about kids reading books so many, like hundreds of times. What books did you read when you were a kid? Just you know, ad nauseum. Uh, you know, I read books that my teachers didn't really approve of, like uh, joke books. <laughs> I read over and over again. I, I read uh, newspaper comics. I read collections of newspaper comics. Like um, they used to put um, Charlie Brown and Snoopy. You know, they, yeah. they would put those books together in collections, and I loved those. I read them over and over again. Uh, Mad Magazine, um, anything with pictures, I, I really, really uh, gravitated for. How about you? What were you reading when you were a kid? When I was a kid, well, it depends on what age. I remember the Beverly Cleary Ramona books. I just adore. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. anything with yeah. Ramona, I would read the heck out of. Mm-hmm. And the Bunnicula yeah. books I used to love. The um, which one? The which bun- one? Bunicula, the oh, little yeah. vampire rabbit. Oh yeah, <laughs> James Howe. Oh yep. my goodness, yeah, yep. he is. He is. He is hilarious. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, there's tons of picture books I loved when I was a kid too. I, I, and Dr. Seuss, like everybody else, Bill Pete, the Bill Pete books. Mm-hmm. I, oh yeah. Uh, quick, quick anecdote. But like when I was in elementary school, our school librarian would, um, copy page. This was like before you could like enlarge pictures or had like a really big, um, uh, you couldn't project pages. So what he would do is he would take pages from the Bill Pete books and he would copy them. Mm-hmm. Like he would paint them and draw them on huge pages of like butcher paper, like big uh, chart paper. And uh-huh. that's what he would put at, like next to him as he was reading because the book was too small for the oh. entire class to see. So he would illustrate wow. the pages on these huge pieces of paper. And that, I think, is what just got me in love with those books because those Bill Pete books are just – they're so beautifully illustrated. I just adored them. Yeah. That is dedication. Yeah, and you had it really a good teacher. I think back on it <laughs> now, amazing. and it's like, how did he have the time or the talent? What was he? If he had yeah. that talent, what was he doing as a you know elementary school librarian? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you you lucked out there. Yeah. You had a really good teacher. That's that's wonderful. Absolutely, it's, it's nice that you still remember that so fondly. Oh, yeah. and it's great that those books are all still around too. It, yeah, it is. There are, some of them are a little hard to find, but the uh, with the Bill Pete books. But you know, I, I've been slowly mm-hmm. trying to build my collection up again. So. They're, oh, they're so good. much fun. I love them. Um, yeah. I know I know. I'm running out of time with you. I do have one question from my kids who wanted me to ask you. Okay. All I right. would like to know if there will be any more Super Diaper Baby books. Yeah. You know, I've actually written Super Diaper Baby 3, but I uh, um, I haven't had a chance to, uh, to to illustrate it yet. Uh, the illustrations are the thing that takes the longest time. And, and uh, right now I'm working on Dogman 7 and 8 um, <laughs> together. And so... <laughs> Um, and so someday I hope to get back to Super Diaper Baby and, and I have another series, Ook and Glock, Kung Fu, Caveman from the Future, and I really want to get back to those. Um, but I'm having so much fun with Dogman right now that I, I'm going to try to uh, 
see see what I can do with that, yeah. that for right now. Absolutely, yeah. Don't don't neglect Dogman because, like I said, he is an absolute favorite. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, Dave. Thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Jamie. It was really great talking to you. Please tell your kids I said hello and thanks for the question. This has been the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us online at thegbbpodcast.com and on Twitter and Facebook at thegbbpodcast. Thanks again for subscribing and listening. We really do appreciate it. And until next week, I am Jamie Green, and you can find me at The Roarbots. Take care. <laughs>